Welcome back to the Open All R's QPR podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Wise, making a return. Uh, it's been a long while, so you may not even remember me, for those of you who do. Um, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Um, I'm joined by two fellow R's today. And we'll start with the ever-present regular that always makes it here every week, and that is Paul Finney. Paul, how are you keeping? I'm all right. I have no life. I'm all, always here for everything. Basically, <laughs> I never leave this room. I sit with my phone, permanently ready to do a podcast. That's what we like to hear. Well, that's why that's why it still goes out. So no, um, but we're also joined by Mark Perkins. How are you, Mark? And give us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I think this is my third or fourth appearance on the podcast. So I'm a I'm a QPR fan of around forty years, and um, uh, slightly lapsed because um, as we as we might go on to discuss, I, I always went with my dad, but uh, sadly my dad passed a few weeks ago. So. He's, he's been ill for 15 months, so I've not been to a game since January, uh, but I'm making my, my comeback on Saturday with a mate. But it's going to be a strange day, I think, without my dad there. Mm, I can imagine. Sorry to hear that, but hopefully um, hopefully the R's can pull off a nice return for you uh, come Huddersfield on Saturday. Um, they never fail to disappoint, as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the R's for you. Well... I think there's only one place to, to sort of kick this off. It's, it's the the 1-0 defeat to, to Swansea on Saturday. Toothless, struggled in front of goal. What do you guys make of that, Paul? You start us off. Well, it was it was a weird one. I mean, you know, it, I think Mark just summed it up brilliantly. Why is it you always think, you know what, two good wins, you go to Swansea, you're playing awful, you aren't doing too well at all, you're struggling, and you think, Yep, we've turned into a charity case again. It was it was one of them. We we didn't really threaten them. I mean, the referee was atrocious, but that's no excuse. Um, he should have set one of their players off. I thought the penalty at the time was a penalty. I haven't seen it back, so I don't know. So I might be completely wrong. Um, what their penalty? Sorry. Yeah, their one when he handballed, and I mean, I, 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 it was in front of us. I thought, oh, it looks like a penalty. Yeah, it was, it was, ne- it was never a penalty. All right, in my see, opinion. See, yeah, kind of hit him like, on the side is. Yeah, for me, there wasn't really no any. I mean, it didn't see many contacts really on yeah, his so arm. Kind of hit his, his side first. I can see why the ref, but then the, the Lionel should have helped them out there because it was on that side. So he was he would have been had a better view than even me. But the Willick, the guy that pulled Willick back, should have been sent off. That was That's horrendous. Goal scored opportunity. But that said, you know, we didn't get going, and um, it's just a shame. But I mean. The trouble is with football, we tend to go from extreme panic to extreme happiness in not to 60 regard results. I don't think I'm disappointed, I'm upset. You go all that way, you want a better performance than that. And we are, and I think that's a worrying thing. We are better than that, and we should be better than that, and we should have played better than that. And we also deserve better re- referees than that. Although I did like it with VAR messing up this week, and then the championship referee in the Huddersfield game goes, hold, hold me beer for me. And does an <laughs> yeah. ridiculous one with his watch. You know, anything the Premiership can do, we can do 10 times worse. So I'm, I'm sick of the. If I'm being brutally honest with you, I'm more sick of the clowns they put in charge of these games than what goes on sometimes because it's just a lack of care. It's, yeah, some of these idiots are officiating these games on. You know, there's a line of that Watford that couldn't even keep up with the halfway line. You know, it's just, it does my head and I could moan about it all day, but then I'd probably have to rename myself Clive and I don't want to do that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was one of them things. Brilliant to see all the fans down there. It was a good crack, but. Never allow Rangers to cheer your weekend or bus for sure sometimes when you've we've had two brilliant wins. So yeah, but hopefully we'll put it away this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Mark, did you manage to get down to there or get down to Swansea or did you manage to watch the game? What did you make Sad, of it? Sadly not. I, I appear to have missed out on a, on a great day out and a football spectacular. No, I, yes. didn't, I didn't go. But I, I think it's kind of the law of averages and the law of QPR that on the back of those two, two great wins against very good size that we would lose to a side that was in dismal form. But I guess the fact that we played the same starting 11 three times in seven days with a high line and uh, and a pressing game, probably the players, it sounded like they were lethargic and a bit knackered. And uh, you're always against breaking up a winning side, but it probably was a team that needed a bit of tweaking or adjustment. It sounded like three games in a week was too much after two very good performances. So, 
maybe not the case to be too despondent if they can um, if they can bounce back on Saturday. I hope so because I'm going to be there. The, 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 the yes. worst thing is Swansea did a job on us, Charlie. That, that was a bottom line as well. I mean, they they pressed the life out of us, and um, yeah, they, they they did their homework on us for sure. Yeah, no, I've I've watched it back now. I didn't manage to to watch it on Saturday. I was away, but uh, Mark, you you uh, nicked my my first couple of points there. Um, an interesting <laughs> point you made about it's like you're reading my scripts, but uh, interesting point you made about the high line because I just watched back Bill's post match interview and he said, um, "Don't quote me exactly," but his words were almost along the lines of. Um, I'm not sure where this high line is originating from because it's not something that we've practiced or he's tried to implement into the side. So yeah, that did worry me a worry. little bit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> likewise. <laughs> that's a for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, my second point I wanted to bring up was, you know, as you mentioned, rightly mentioned, that's the same 11 free games in, in seven days, uh, which Bill did come out and, and rightly say that, you know, that was an error on his behalf. Should have changed up the side, but it is, of course, very difficult to to change your winning a winning eleven with with back to back wins. You know, what changes do you guys maybe think you should have made? Who do you think, from your perspective, or do you still think as though you know it's one of those that you're only now saying it in hindsight? What was your perspective going into that with a with an unchanged eleven? I think the thing is, for me, not Mark things, but I think with five subs these days, for people to say the players are overused and tired, it's, it's kind of you. You can change that whenever you want. You can you can bring on the five subs. So, not really sure. I mean, could have maybe brought um, changed, took Dykes out, put Tyler in. Um, but it's who knows. I mean, you can drop Cho and, and um, well, like you can chop drop Field. I noticed Field and Dunder getting criticised, but I think. Both are still good enough to be in the same. I don't know, Mark. Am I, am I talking rubbish? What do you think? I think the problem comes down to our attack. I think, um, mm. and that that that's in every game, and that's going to become apparent. We're going to play a lot better than the Swansea game. And still score no goals because unless our midfield scores goals, they're not going to come from from our forwards and lack of firepower. Uh, and that's the same as last season, and it's a persistent problem. So e- even if Chair and Willock are having a good game creating chances up front you need someone to put them away and if you miss one or two chances heads go down and you end up conceding a goal and you end up with a 1-0 mm. or 2-0 mm. well, Roberts does look decent though to be fair to him he does yeah Roberts. and hopefully we'll see more of him go on then Mark what's the effect of Linda Dykes in his current form at the moment well, he hasn't got any current form. That's the problem. Um, and it has been because you need your striker to score goals. He missed that chance against Hull, which yeah, was, you know, cool. a, a sitter from five yards. And, and been keeping me up every, every night since, I think. Yeah. It, it's, um, I mean, had he put that away, it would have been different. But the fact that he didn't was just indicative of his lack of form and, and how blunt he is in front of goal. And it's the Lyndon Dykes that was with us. He's had a couple of mini purple patches. Um, but aside from that, he's a player really low on confidence. And you can you, you can see in that, one of the angles, a couple of the players kind of shook their heads in disbelief when they saw him slice it wide. Um, it, wasn't, it was kind of neither a shot nor a pass. I think he tried to lay it back to the chair even. It was just, which is a player without any confidence. You know, obviously I'd like to see him succeed um, because he's always all, all we've got apart from, you know, Armstrong and Bond, maybe Roberts. It's a fair point though. I mean, Mark, I mean, you look at him and you think his, his confidence is gone. There's no two words about it. He's, he, he holds up, play well. The fans are not giving him a hard time. It's, you know, he's, he's, he's getting a lot of love. Um, but it's just, the finishing's just not there. Maybe he needs some of it. But was he, I mean, as I said the other week, he's still quite young into his career. So he's fourth professional season. And he had Austin with him last year. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but you're right. And that's a midfield chipping. We're a wee bit in trouble. And um, it's it's... It's a lot to put on the shoulders of a striker who can't score to say, right, you keep missing. I mean, it's like Washington. Remember years ago, he, he couldn't get a break. And even when he hit an absolute class A folly, I think it hit someone on the line and went over. That was our player. I think mm-hmm. it might be Matt mm-hmm. Smith. I'm not sure. Um, and then went over the bar. And you're kind of thinking, how's your luck? And I think that's what he's suffering from. You know, he could fall into a barrel of a fiver and come up with 20 pence. And that's how it's going with him. And I changed that word from Holloway's because it's a podcast and children might be listening. I think I think Dykes is a very interesting one. I think I, me and my dad are having a discussion after the the whole game, and I keep going backwards and forwards myself because you can look at it from perspective of he's a number nine. 
he gets in in areas where he should be scoring. We've seen him score, you know, like as Mark mentioned, he's had those purple patches. He's had moments where he's shown real promise in front of goal. He's gone on some fantastic runs. I think it was last year. And he showed that he can be prolific. But and I don't know whether, you know, it can be seen as a diversion or the fact of we're just using it as an excuse to warrant that, you know, maybe there's something there with Dykes. But I do think that he offers so much more than, than just any potential chance of, you know, putting away a chance. Because the thing is, when you play two number number 10s behind the striker with Cher and Willock, I think his work rate is is something we can't we can't complain with. I think, you know, yes, his goal scoring part, you know, the part of a game, maybe not here, maybe not going to come in the future or so. But I think he does do a lot for the side. I think he's he's got really good movement. He does create pockets of space that we do see Chair and Willock exploiting. And maybe it's just one of those. It's we're not really got the capability of the finances to go into the into the market and bring in a, a proven goal scorer at this level. So you know, what can we get out of Dykes? I do feel as though he offers a lot in that perspective. Um, but at the same time, the chance of the whole he should be putting away. So, you know, it's one of those. It's it's disappointing because, as I mentioned, and around a full circle here, but he can score goals. He gets, gets in areas. But, you know, is his movement and, and his work rate enough to excuse the, the lack of, you know, prolific activity? Probably not, but... It's a difficult one because then you go through the ranks of who else have we got, weren't able to bring in a striker throughout the window. You're left with Sinclair Armstrong that really has not got the, the physical or mental endurance at the moment to be able to have a run in the side. It looks really raw, hasn't got the end product. You then go through a look at Tyler Roberts. For me, he doesn't look like a number nine. He looks like almost a player that's going to play in a similar position to, to Chair and Willock. And then you left with Macaulay Bond. It's... Um, you know, it, it, it's a bit of an interesting predicament, but it just then creates more reliance on Willock and Chair. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, as Mark said, it, it's going to come full circle as to we're then going to have to put reliance on goals from midfield and, and those attacking players and, and players in wide areas, even the fullbacks chipping in as well. So it could be a big stumbling block for us this season, and I think it really will be. I think our problem has been, since we've been relegated, we've spent an awful lot of money in strikers and we've had no return. I mean, we're normally we're paying them off, which is not a good thing. I mean, we've paid Washington off. We're going to have to take a massive hit on Macaulay Bond. No one's going to give us any money for him. Um, and I guess with the money we spent on Dags as well, we just can't afford to keep losing millions of pounds on strikers that aren't working. It's, you know, and also with him, it becomes psychological. I just wonder why we just can't find that striker. Why we just, I mean, we, we, as a Willock, sure, all these number 10 players are, are fantastic. We're making money on this is grand, but we just can't find that, that, that finisher. Like probably about 17 teams this league would be, I don't know. Are they that hard to find? I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Um, I, I, weirdly enough, when we got to dispatch of Matt Smith, I thought we would be, you know, we had a player that had limitations, but it turns out he was probably our last great, you know, forward, apart from Austin's spell, spell on loan. Um, but, yeah, it's very hard to find a good striker who's going to score 10 to 15 goals a season. And I think we are stuck at the moment. We're just going to have to accept it. Um, you always go on Twitter and see there's lots of people complaining that the board didn't make an effort and Les didn't make an effort. I'm sure they did, but there's very little out there for the money. And they could have probably spent another two or three million on a player that performs just as badly or, or with little return. Um, and again, anything out in the same situation as you know, Connor Washington or Macaulay Bomb. Uh, there's a lot of players in League One and League Two who score lots of goals but can't step up to the championship. And a lot of players that come down from the Premier League who are just a little bit past it on even bigger wages. It's a fair point. That, I mean, to be fair, Bond doesn't want to be with us, does he? Let's be honest. He just no, wants no. to play. I think you can tell by what he put up on Insta. Well, listen to me saying Insta. Trying to be all hip with 53. I did that. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Let's go back to your, good back into your bin, Paul. Um, and, and I think you sort of look at it, you think, yeah, it's just not working. He wants a way. He's, he's, his heart's not in it. Fine. Doesn't work. Um, I suppose you could, like Mark said, you could look at the transfers as no strikers, but I'm still stupidly, maybe, I don't know, thinking we held on to Seni Diang, we held on to Dickey, we held on to Chur, we held on to Willock, we held on to Field. To me, that's pretty damn good business for a club of, in, in our position. It's just a shame that we can't find that striker. But I think on the transfer front, it's all about who we hang on to as well sometimes because, you know, 
any of the players could walk and leave if if a decent bid comes in. So thank God we've got until January at least. Yeah, I was. Oh no, go on. I was just going to say when Macaulay Bonnet, it must be a first for someone who actually wants to go to Ipswich. Um, (laughs) What does it say about Shepherds Bush and QPR that he would rather spend his time in Ipswich? Um, But I get you know that's his hometown, but. I, I don't know what's what's wrong there because you know he had a, a good coach and a good manager in Mark Warburton. He strangely enough never really played in front of the fans because his his spell at the club before he went on loan to it, which was during lockdown. Mm. So he never played in front of a fool off this road. Never really experienced the kind of club as, as a kind of normal day to day situation. And he's come back to it, deciding that it's not for him. And he wants to leave. Sadly. I think, yeah, and I think. What's quite interesting is his sort of his mindset. I think I can't remember when it was, but I heard Beale said something about that. You know, he doesn't want to come back and be right down the pecking order. But I'm sorry for a player that's been in League One last year. I mean, his first half of the season was full of goals. I can't remember his exact stats, but he got into double figures pretty quickly. I think he was up there mm. in the first half of the season, one of the top scorers in the league. So he's shown he can score goals. He's come back. He's had a pre-season at QPR under a new manager, complete fresh start. You're looking from the outside in, Lyndon Dykes is, you know, he's not having the best of time. And I think given squad depth and given other options, he wouldn't be, get, you know, given a, as many starts as he has been. You then got Sinclair Armstrong behind, well, arguably behind Dykes at the moment, who's had no real experience at this level. I don't understand why he hasn't got the mindset, ambition or fire in his belly to go, right, it's another chance in the championship because he can get into that side. I'm, you know, it's not like we've got a 20 goal a season in Lyndon Dykes and you wait, you're only going to play when he's injured. Anybody, you know, anybody could get into that, into that, that frame for an opportunity, a couple of cameos, prove yourself and get a start in the side. So for me, it's, it's almost a bit worrying as to where he sees himself. He's happy just to compromise and go back to league one. It just shows maybe, maybe a bit of an insight into, maybe not so much personality, but just, just lack of ambition. But the one that, for me, that I, I said it at the start of the season, so I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. Now he's scored a couple of goals and has been from, you know um, nominated for, um, is it Player of the Month, I think, in League One with Charlie Kelman. I said it at the start of the season. I did, on the first podcast, I think it was, I do not understand why he's been loaned out at that stage in the season. The window's open up until you know last week. He had an opportunity, really, to... To have a go in the side again, given our lack of squad depth in the striking position, and then he could even go online out on loan if we didn't think it was you know it was right for him now. And it, it comes back to Mark's point of yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to get a striker from the Premier League. We can't afford a proven championship striker. So you're going to go fishing League One. Charlie Kelman, someone that has, has shown, yeah, maybe not so much. Um, I can't remember. Where it was, did he go back to South End last year? Yeah, maybe didn't show too much last year. I think as well. Yeah, so he's had a, he's had a couple of spells, and we hear all these things coming out of the training ground that he's the best finisher, he's better better finisher than Charlie Austin in the training ground. Why not give him a go? Why not give him a chance? And it's kind of we're not in this luxury position where we've got strikers flooding the you know flooding the squad. He's someone that's young, hungry. He's shown ambition. I think more so than Bon. I don't understand why we didn't you know give him a chance. His contract's up at the end of the season. For me, I think I tweeted last week, it's almost now or never with, McCall, uh, with Charlie Kelman. There may be something we don't know about that there's a, there's a clause for an extra year or so, but it just for me, it just didn't make sense to slow him out. So I was a bit disappointed about that and still I'm a little bit now, given our position. don't know what you guys think about that. Or he's, you know, but I think, I think with, with Borden, who's ever advising him, is an idiot. I mean, when mm. you belong to a club and you go on loan and you, you have a blast at the parent club, it's never going to end well when you have to come back with your tail between your legs. When the you know he did everything he could to get moved, it's which you, you know the fans is obviously are there, but they just didn't take a risk on him, and that's that's fine. I would rather have sent him on loan and kept Kilman. No, that's not hindsight. You said at the start of the season they made me yeah, think about that's it. Right. Said, yeah. And um, I, I would have I, I would be inclined to agree with you, but maybe we can call him back. I don't know, but. If you even if you're knocking in goals in League One, it's going to be worth a, a call back just to see what you can do. He's only got this season left in his contract anyway. What, what we got to lose? What's the point of helping Orion out? We can try and help ourselves out, even though it's mm. for a cameo for 20 minutes. Because as well, a big thing is, you know, you put yourself back in the Nico position where this could have been a chance to actually see if, you know, he warranted a new contract. It could come to the end of the season, okay, he does all right in League One. 
We then sign him up on a new contract. We'll give another Nico contract for four years. And then we're given a predicament where we don't know what he's like in the championship, don't know if he's up for it. And then we signed ourselves off for four years. This is a bit of chance, at least for a couple of weeks while the window is open, give him a bit of flavour, see what he's made about, and then make a decision on whether we offer him a new contract or not. So I just thought it was surprising how quickly Bill was to, to loan him out. But I mean, we don't see, you know, 90% of it. So... Who am I to say? But I always just found it interesting, especially now, given the fact that he's performing in League One. So, Well, maybe we should try Nico Hammerlein on up front. Who knows? Maybe it's a secret <laughs> weapon. Desperate times. Um, I think, sadly, he's injured. Um, yeah, but the four-year contract to him was insane. I mean, I've not ever seen anything in the lad. And that's not meant in a nasty way because you want youngsters to do well. You want them to come into the side and do well. But yeah. when I've seen him, I've thought, I've never thought, oh, there is one nerve if you chase, which is a shame. Um, and he's been the club and loaned out and loaned out and loaned out, and his time's up really. He'll be gone soon, and uh, it's a shame that work out. It's a hell of a hell of a risk in four years, though. I, I don't know what to think of it. I guess it was just a cheap deal that the club just thought, well, he's cheap. We'll we'll, we'll do it and see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> really don't know. Can't explain that one. Mm. One more for me though, in terms of the transfer window, and I thought this was another sort of interesting sort of, you know all the limelight was on can we get a striker can we get a striker can we get a striker but for me the more pressing matter was can we get cover at left back again coming back circling to the Nico point I better talk a poll out on Twitter 57 percent I, I I can't remember exactly what I phrased it but it was something of what's the more pressing matter needing a striker or needing a left back 57 went striker 43 percent went left back what do you guys see as the, the more pressing matter in terms of depth needed between the two positions? Go on, Mark, the knowledge. Um, well, definitely left back. Mm. Um, there, there is nothing There is nothing left at left back if uh, Powell is injured. And, and um, you know, he's, he's had a mixed run, rich, mixed run of games in terms of form, maybe part of that's adjustment. But yeah, if he's injured, then there's nothing. Maybe you have to pay, play Kaka at left back and the Doma switches to right back. I... I what do I know about tactics? And even if, even if Kakai has left foot, but um, yeah, that, that confirms to you he doesn't. <laughs> he, he doesn't. Some may say he's not got a great right either. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, we are we are down to the bare bones, and that's that's even without injury. Um, I don't think there's anything in the youth academy to come through. I'd be surprised that could you know slot in and do a decent job. So the, the squad is quite threadbare. We've got a lot of talent in midfield. Um, uh, I don't know if there's anyone you know that could deputise at left back in midfield, but um, we might have to find out. Maybe, what changes this accordingly? It's Sam Field, or is that right back? Oh no, he's left footed, isn't he? I think it was. I think he has played left back before, but especially with this this system that Bill wants to implement with such attacking threat coming from wide areas via the fullbacks, it just seemed to me as a as a real worry, uh, you know, a real worry as to someone who's brought in a, a player from the Dutch league, physicality and and sort of the demanding nature is nowhere near the championship. The fixtures are relentless. I'd I'd be surprised if you know Powell gets for a full season. Then we go. Then we're at the position where we don't rate Nico, and then we're looking to put a central midfielder at left back, which again for Bill's system is such an influential position. So worrying, who knows? Could be looking at a free agent. At least I'm hoping so. But um, yeah, you can use the emergency loan though, Charlie, can't you? What's that, sorry? We can still get loans in for a while, yeah. And we can get emergency loans in, I guess. Maybe that's what they're banking on. Yeah, but that's yeah. free transfers if they're desperate. Yeah, yeah, but that's a dangerous route. That is a really dangerous route because, mm. yeah, people are, people are, are not being... I mean, someone put up the other day about some of the players that are available in freeze, and there's still some players out there. You think, oh, yeah. Andy Carroll's fishing about. <laughs> yeah, but that's the trouble is, my next point was that every other bugger who tried that with him last season would think exactly the same thing. You know, the, yeah. you know, it's, and if you panic, you end up with another flipping, um, your man from Chelsea in, 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 coming in and, and disrupted everything and playing Keane and playing Habit for the system. It, it's a weird one. It's a worry. Unless he goes to three centre halves at the back, which he could do with a new guy from Rangers coming in and everything else, he could do that. It's not his preferred method, but. I think that would be better than playing field at left back, but you know, maybe play field at left back. It could be a flipping genius. I don't know. Mm. Coming on to one of my questions. Um, do we think now possibly Bill's mentioned it again, bringing in um, Leon. I'm not going to attempt to say his surname. Uh, is it 
Balogun. Balogun. That's right, yeah. Put it right there. Is it? Okay, right. Well, yeah. Mark, I'll start with you. Do you think um, we could see the the five at the back formation coming anytime soon? Or do you think Bill will will try to stick with this four at the back system? Well, Dickie and Dunn look a little bit exposed with the the four at the back. Um, I don't know. I mean, it comes down to Michael Bill. Dickie and Dunn looked far more comfortable when it was three at the back last season. Balogun looks really solid. Whether he's fit or not, I don't know at the moment. Uh, so I hope, hopefully, he's been doing his laps while he hasn't had a club. Um, I, I think what Bill will probably do is is adjust accordingly, depending on whether it's a home game, whether it's an away game, the nature of the opposition, and, and be flexible. Um, clear, clearly, it didn't work the other day playing four at the back. Um, we looked really off the pace and. and where this high line has come from, but there is a high line. Everyone's seen it. Um, <laughs> and, and sort of a her line. Caught out and exposed. So, so uh, I, I think there's definitely a need for experimentation. I wonder. If, I wonder if Tim can play though. We've got him from Villa. I wonder if because I mean, what you said earlier on was fair enough, Charlie. I think when you did the poor striker and left back, no one thought we'd get another midfielder in, and we mm. did. And I'm just wondering if he's left footed, if he can, if he can maybe, because he, he looks very athletic. Um, yeah. I've only seen a few minutes of him, obviously, at Swansea, but I'm wondering maybe if that's the, the sort of brains as well, a little bit. I don't know. But yeah, you're about Rangers. I mean, they're getting absolutely tanked today, by the way, by Ajax. Um, and, um, you know, as I said many times, I don't like Rangers. I still think I take no pleasure in any of them losing. I do actually, but that's not the point. Um, <laughs> so um, you know, it's kind of one of them things where he, he comes with a good record. He's a leader. Maybe they need another leader. And uh, Jimmy Dunn's had a wee bit of stick. I'm not really sure why. Um, like Mark says, him and Dicky maybe they're too similar. I don't know. Maybe they look better with three centre halves. That time, what was I don't know. It's it's one of them things where we could have the championship is so bizarre and so weird. And the game after game after game, you can have two good games and one bad game, and everyone's like, "Oh dear, this isn't good." And um, yeah, it's a strange one, but I think it's it, the, the left back situation needs to be looked at. But also, why bringing on the centre half as well? And um, does that mean Salter's out for longer than we think? Mm-hmm. You know, he's only played a couple of games. Yeah, you know, and he looked good in fairness, and and he can play at the left. Yeah, so let's let's summarise over the transfer window. We brought in Jake Hart Salter, Liam Balligan, Kenneth Powell, Ethan Laird, again. I'm just going to say Tim, not going to attempt the surname, <laughs> Taylor Richards and Tyler Roberts. Each of you rate the window out of 10. Oh, Christ, you get the sound like um, Liz Trust, which is talked about Macron, which is said jury's out. Um, <laughs> you get yourself in all kinds of bother. This is not a political podcast. I'm just making a statement. Hard to say. I think there's... Yeah, there's every single player I can understand we brought in and they add something to it and they're decent players. And um, like anything, we've just got to wait until they gel, I guess, and, and they get more running the team. We, I can't, we can't judge them in the game so far, but I, I, I like Ethan, I like a lot what we've seen of him. Um, Tim, as I said, he looked quite opposing when he came on. Um, Roberts looks the, the part. The other guy from Brighton, we haven't seen enough of. Salter, we haven't seen enough of, but he looks decent. So it's just... Yeah, it worries me about the injury side of things that we've got so many injuries and, and um, stuff like that. There, so we need this mm. squad. And as Mark says, it's still even with these players, we do look a wee bit, you know, we're leaking water, as they say. I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty okay with it, but we've got to give them time. Yeah, I you still didn't give me a score about... out of 10 there, Finney. Sorry, Mark. Uh, I, I, I <laughs> thought I did a go really good job of avoiding that. I'd say at the moment, seven out of 10, but I'm hoping that at the end of the season, I'm giving 10 out of 10. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I, I'd say the same. The thing about most of these players is, apart from Balogun, who they just brought in, they're very young and they're very inexperienced. Mm. Uh, so, so Tim, whose name we can't pronounce from Aston Villa, come, <laughs> comes with a great reputation, only having played a handful of games. Mm. Um, and you know, he's, he's played at England youth level and under twenty, but he's never never really played a, in the championship. Um, same with Clark Salter; he's had a couple of seasons. Um, the guy from Brighton, um, you know, again, so they're all quite raw. You know, that's not to say youth isn't a good thing. Um, I guess the best thing about the transfer window, and maybe why I'll give it an eight, is we didn't sell any of our assets. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
which would have made a big difference if we did lose Senny, Chair or Willock, you know, possibly even two of them, then, then it would have been an awful transfer window. So to keep the, the spine of the squad, and even play like Dickey, you know, who's, who's kind of lost his form a bit, mm-hmm. you know, at the start of last season, we were talking about him being the best defender in the championship. And I don't think anyone would say that now at this moment. But um, if we lost him, it would still be a, uh, a a significant dent in in the side, you know, for someone who is experienced and you need that experience. So I think we're taking a gamble on a lot of players who've not got certainly many years, if if not games, under their belt. So they're going to all take time to adapt to the league as well as to each other, and that's why you're going to be a little bit patient because none of them are. Well, they're all far from the finished product. They're all players with great potential, and it's you know it's going to be a test to see how they fare over a, a long, grueling season in the championship. Bit Mark, like my brain with potential. <laughs> Mark, I could swear you're reading from my hymn sheet. I I think the key stand out to me, as you mentioned, was not losing key players. I think you know we're not going to be in a position where we can bring in any of the players like some we got: Dicky, Willock, you know, Chair, Dieng. That they're fantastic players for this level. And I think when you look individually, you talk there well about how, you know, oh, yeah, okay, you could probably bar uh, Balogun and possibly Tyler Roberts, but amongst the rest, as you said, there's a real lack of experience at this sort of level. But then comes of that is a lot of hunger, I think. And one thing that for me, watching each of the player interviews that they signed, the character just, you know, I think... The assessments of, and again, it probably comes back to Bill seeming to know every player um, in English football and have worked with them at some stage in his career. But um, I think Ethan Laird's attitude from the interviews mm. I've seen is is infectious. I think that the the desire to learn and want to get better, I think we will see throughout the season. But then again, um, when you look at the transfer window, you've got to draw assessments on players that have gone, and then how do you fill the gaps? And for me that left-back position has, has got a big asterisk next to it. And possibly the striker position, not as an alarming as an asterisk, because I feel as though, yes, you haven't got the Anat striker, as we, we talked about earlier, but we have got goals from other positions. So I think a good window, all in all. And I think, Mark, I'll be matching you on an, on an eight. We've, we've surmised the, the transfer window. We kind of skipped a little bit over, over Swansea because of how we were so so desperate to talk about transfers. But just to, to, to draw a line under that one, do we see that as a case of not our day or... Maybe some areas um, for cause for concern with that one. Finney, we'll start with you. I think it's a championship, mate. You, you're going to get mm. days like that. You, you, you know, after good wins and you go to something like that and you get turned over, everyone's going to have spawns like, we'll, we'll play worse than win and we'll play better and get stuffed. It's just, it's mm. a championship. The games are so thick and fast and yeah, it's just got to put it behind us and just go out Saturday and, 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 and do something and, and get out of your system. Otherwise, you drill it too much, and you lose Saturday, and you lose again against Millwall. You, you're going to have a the the meltdown will start, and the the, the word crisis will be banded around, and um, it all gets a little bit nervy. Mark, the championship is just weird. I mean, Reading are top, yeah. aren't they? I think, uh, and Reading lost, you know, four 0 with that kit, Mark, with that kit. Yeah, Top of the that, league with, with Joe kid. Lumley between the sticks. How does that work? And, and Joe Lumley, I mean, if, if anyone saw the goals from the Rotherham game, there were three Joe Lumley howlers in the space of 15 yeah. minutes. But, you know, they, they are with Joe Lumley in goal and they're top of the league. Um, and having been the club that was predicted to go down, and they might still do because that's the nature of the championship. A team can be top in November and suddenly go into free fall and, mm-hmm. and not win for 20 games <laughs> and vice versa. Um, so it's, it's just the nature of it. I, I wouldn't be panicking right now. Although I think probably anyone that Swansea probably was. <laughs> it was a weird atmosphere, actually. It was there wasn't. I guess it was just like, oh well, that's QPR for you. That's what I took from the game and talking to people the way I was just kind of like typical Rangers. Do you know yeah, what I mean? You're, like, you're, you're probably old enough to remember this, but the, the game after we won four in Old you. Trafford. Yep. Um, Southampton. Which was New Year's Day. Southampton away. We we you know tall United apart. One four one. It could have been six nil, and we went to Southampton and and lost one nil without creating a shot on goal. You know Horrendous. we packed was out the Dell, and that was yeah. I was there as well. Went down with mum and dad. You know on, on the back of that that. I used to love that expecting... terrace mark. Yeah, 
I don't know what it was about that ground. It was an absolute horrible thing to look at. But that terrace, I, it was like being in a, like some kind of shell, wasn't it? It was weird. A strange angular terrace. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, like a, a triangle. Well, much better. I had good times ago. in that terrace, though. Not on that. Yeah, day. I mean, we've had some bad ones as well. I mean, when, when Conan Clock made his debut for them and banged in three, and we got absolutely mullered. But yeah, I mean, but that's reasons. And I mean, you know, knowing QPR, we could we could beat Barcelona and lose to Volkswagen Motors. That's the sort of way we are. So I think going back to everyone had that kind of feeling about it. No one was reaching for the panic button. I mean, any time I've, I mean, it's so early in the season, isn't it? it it'd be. It'd be worry if we we're panicking now, but it's just this, the goals. It's always about goals in this league, isn't it? Everyone's looking for them strikers. We keep talking about it, but it's it's this league. If you look through the transfers, only a few handful of teams have spent money. I know we rightly so we praise our, our lot for not spending that much money, and we and rightly so. But there's not a lot of teams in this league that can spend money, and that's the difference now. And um, apart from the parachute money or Hull surprised me. I know I keep going on about this. I couldn't believe how much money they spent, even on the yeah. particular over. And they're not exactly setting the thing on fire. Middlesbrough, people would have thought would be flying wrong end of the table. I know they won the other day. But, you know, it's it's just a championship. It is the most bizarre league in the world, I'm sure of it, because you can never predict it. And every time you try and predict it, you look like an idiot. I'm going to guess with me. Yeah, so I'm on, the talk, on, the, on the talk of not being able to pick the championship... What were our thoughts going into Huddersfield on Saturday? Only one win so far, and their other point on the board has come from a single draw. Four points, not sat too pretty at the bottom of the table. They've lost the last two. Another banana skin for QPR, or will we turn it around at home? Mark? Um, I th- I'm going, so and I'm making a big effort to go, so we're obviously going to lose. But I think, actually... I don't know. You do, I just don't know with this side. I, I think, you know, the, the side that beat Middlesbrough and beat Hull uh, and beat Watford, you don't. You just don't know which side is going to turn up. Is it going to be the side, you know, mm. that played at Swansea or Blackpool? Because they're the same 11 players and the same handle of subs. Um, so on the basis of the Swansea game, I'm going to go for the fact that I think we'll turn in a good performance and the fact that we haven't got a game in midweek. So there is a week mm. to kind of rest, lick our wounds and uh, and get back to get back to the side that we hope to see which means we'll probably lose 3-0 and it's a good point because you know, Bill will be scarred from, from Saturday in terms of you know, not changing the side, not freshening things up but then at the same time he's just had seven days of rest um, I'm sure not rest, I'm sure they've been training but in terms of no fixture for seven days so then is he in the predicament of do I still need to change things up or do I, do I keep the same 11 so um, yeah Bill, uh, Finney do you think we, we'll see any change on Saturday and what are your thoughts going into it? I think Mark summed it up perfectly in his last sentence when he came back to me I'm old and nothing surprises me I've seen everything <laughs> as Mark has because Mark you're not that far behind me you know just catching up slowly but you're getting there it's this is tricky. We never had a. I mean, I was really surprised. I well, I wasn't that surprised how well they did last season because they got some good players. I was surprised the manager left, which seems to have completely mm. ripped all hope in uh, them. They're, they're coming on the back of the injustice of the watch scenario, um, which means they'd be angry. They're certainly beatable, and um, we'll see. It depends. That Mark said, whatever keep you if keep you off from Watford turn up, it'll be an absolute hammering. Um, if keep you off from Swansea turn up, it might just be a. A dull one nil, but either way, I'll take a win. I think we need to win going into the Millwall match because otherwise, as it what worries me, things could turn so quickly if we lose three in the bones. I mean, yeah. Something we haven't really mentioned. We talked about the players being new and inexperienced. Beal has only managed in his in his life. What is it? Seven league games or something mm-hmm. like that. So he is he is very much learning on the job. Um, he's spent you know, just a couple of months less than that in a dugout, making decisions, um, understanding a new squad of players. So he is going to make mistakes and he's going to get lucky as well. Um, uh, but he he also needs, I guess, that that patience and, and understanding from fans that this is a completely new role for him. And mm. he doesn't have a voice of experience, you know, in his ear. He is now the one number one man. And... Uh, he has to make decisions that he hasn't had to make before. So he has to do that on on what experience he has, gut instinct, and uh, what what he's picked up along the way as a coach. So 
yeah, there will there will be situations for him in a game where his side will be coasting, and he might make a call that is the wrong call. Yeah, he might make a substitution that turns a game around, but he won't be able to do that, you know, on based on years and years of football management. It's just he's learning as he goes along. Fair point. Mm. Yeah, it's one that I think sometimes you can not forget, but you can you can take it for granted with maybe how he portrays himself and maybe the knowledge and, and how he articulates himself. And but no, it is it is a fair point. And I think again there's going to be teething problems, as you mentioned, with the squad and, and of course, with Beal. And then I was just thinking, then we're talking about the changes. You then got a busy week next week. You've then got three games in seven days again. You've got Millwall on the horizon next Wednesday night. Um, aside that a 1-2, drawn one so far, beat Cardiff 2-0 on Saturday, but lost three games prior. You guys are going to the game. What are your thoughts again ahead of that one on Wednesday night? Jesus, Huddersfield at Millwall. Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, I record that my, my barber is a Millwall fan who swears that we've got the Houdini sign on them. Yeah, I know. I've got a barber. I know. <laughs> I, should getting, I, I, I should be getting half bloody price. I, I must mention Lucky you guys myself. listening. Can't, you know, it's just audio. Can't see the camera. <laughs> no, but anyone that sees the back of me at football matches will think it's bizarre. Um, yeah, I think, listen, it's it's a London derby, as everyone always says. Our record is hit Mester. I'm looking forward to being kept behind for another hour and a half or however long it is. And um, mm. hopefully we can get a good account of ourselves. I mean, listen, I'm too old to predict things, but I'd like, well, we'll do predictions later on, I guess. But like, I'd, I'd like to see us just turn up and put two decent, solid performances in. And then that leads us up nicely to the Stoke game with a train strike, which makes it even harder for people to get to the game. Hmm. And you just know that Danny McNamara is scoring as well. It's just a just a given. Yeah, they won for it. He wasn't my, my barber. Did actually, he was raging about that because he he thinks we were trying to derail them. Sorry, battling to the real strike. So I do apologise. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, the money we offered was an insult to this, that, and the other. And he is a very good player, and we probably did insult him. So he probably have an absolute blinder. I don't know. But then again, you know, we're capable of being, I mean, I remember looking at that Watford team and thinking, Jesus, any any given day, any of them not could tear us to shreds, you know what I mean? And and actually, as it happened, we we, we, we saw it out quite well. I mean, you know, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? I'm just looking forward to um, going there again and seeing the crack. Yeah, I, I must, I, I won't be going. I've, I've got, a busy life and a toddler, so I'm gonna just you know, embrace home games at the moment. I think, I think dealing with a two-year-old is is a bit like uh, dealing with Millwall away. So I, I kind of get an instinct of what it's going to be like down there by uh, having if, if, if my Bob is listening to this podcast, that is not the opinion of the podcast. That is Mock's opinion. I think you're all lovely, and I'm looking forward to going down there. Anyway. <laughs> Very much that he's listening, but never mind. <laughs> then listen, there's a, there's a serious side to this podcast. Like, uh, sorry, Charlie, just to cut in on you though, mate. Um, yeah. Mark, it's 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 always difficult how we talk about these things and our journeys into Loftus Road and how we become part of this football club. But I'm I'm just gonna let let you talk about your dad for a minute, and, and um, obviously, everyone says condolences. I listen. I lost my mum a couple of years ago, but knows that, and, and condolences are just what everyone says. We don't know really what to say, but. It's shit, mate, isn't it? It is. Um, and, I, and I think, the, um, as I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm going to, to keep around. It's the first time this season. And it's it's the first time I've been to a game without my dad. Um, he was diagnosed with cancer about 16 months ago and, and died four weeks ago. Uh, and funnily enough, talking about Millwall, the last game we went to together was the first home game of last season, which is when... It was also the first home game after lockdown. And all credit to the club, he, he was very weak and very frail and just about to start chemotherapy. Julie Newman at the club, who we know, um, helped to sort things out because he, he couldn't even walk 20 metres. So you know what it's like, a, a home game against Millwall, there's, there's two, two vehicles that can get through and out before kick-off, the QPR coach and the Millwall coach. And Julie pulled a few strings so that I could drive up right outside the ground, drop my dad off, so he could oh, just no. amble into the ground. And I kind of knew then, and he might have suspected it himself, that that was probably the last time we go together. 
because he was about to start a very intense course of chemotherapy. And, and, and sure enough, it, it proved to be right. But it was a very kind of special day. I think we drew 1-1. So at least we didn't lose. Um, but it's going to be very strange going back without him because I've been going to football, to QPR with my dad for 40 years. And you always look to that person on your right. If you go with the same person, it could be a brother, wife, etc., your own kids. And there's going to be that gap, that space there. And you're used to having that same person, the same, you know, we'll have a little internal, well, sorry, external monologue when watching a game. I'm very, I'm very quiet. My dad was very vocal. And it's going to be strange not having that there. And um, the day he died, it was early in the morning, and it was the first game of this season. Uh, we were playing Middlesbrough. And I just sent a tweet out about it with a picture of my dad and saying, you know, normally in normal circumstances, we'd be there together. I'm obviously, and I had bought tickets for that day um, and said, I'm not going to be there and neither is he. And I always expect to see him there. Uh, and so many QPR fans replied to that and shared memories, experiences, people that had lost a parent in, in recent years or many years before. And that was a real kind of comfort. And I think it made me not realise, but remember what makes being part of the club special is that it's a it's a family club and and we have family but we are a family unit and we pull together in times like that that got me through a very difficult day uh and it was helped by the fact that rangers won three two um but uh yeah uh it's going to be strange hopefully it'll be a you know it doesn't actually matter if qpr win it but the i mentioned it in the eulogy i had to deliver we didn't go for Q to QPR because we expected to win trophies. It was a, a father and son thing to do. And, you know, there were the long silences back down the A40 and down the M4 when we'd lost. But I, I miss those. <laughs> um, and I, I will miss those in future. Um, but life goes on. My, my dad wanted to live long enough so that my daughter would be a mascot. She's only two. Uh, sadly, didn't get to see it, but you know, one day she will be, and I'll be thinking of her. And that's why I kind of love the club and people around there. They they really did help out on that day, which was only four weeks ago. It's it's interesting, say that, Mark. I mean, you know, I'm not um, stealing anything from yourself or your loss or anything. But I remember that when my own mother passed, of the sun was still shining, people were still going for the newspapers. But you had the double whammy of also QPR playing at home when that's where you and your dad would be. And that, 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 that's horrible. I mean, that's, you know, and going back to your first game without him is, I, I just, yeah, that's horrible, mate. It's just a, because you don't realise that, you know, we always think our parents are going to last forever. We think they're made of steel and, and everything else and, and so on. And it's, you know, as you say, you, you turn around and it's, I feel for you, mate, and it's going to be... I just hope you get through the day okay. Oh, I'm sure I'll be fine. I mean, funnily enough, well, possibly predictably enough, that the, the, the last song at his funeral was High Ho Silver Lining. It oh, was, brilliant. You know, well, <laughs> it's, uh, and we, we lost someone who was a close family friend a few years ago in, in really tragic circumstances, also QPR fan. That was his tune as well. And it'll mm. probably be mine. Um, I, I guess it's the Pavlov's dog effect. At least it makes you feel happy. <laughs> Even, you know, you hear that music. <laughs> it does give you a warm tingle down your spine. Um, but uh, I mean, the thing about going to QPR is, uh, and I guess, you know, if you've had the same ticket in the same place, whereas we had for the last 25 years, you see the same people year after year after year. And the people that were middle-aged when I was in my teens and 20s are now grey-haired, slightly buckled, some have to be helped to the seats. And the ones that were kids, you know, are now, you know, in their 30s, 40s, got their own kids. And you kind of grow up and you experience it together. It's um, that's part of the beauty of, of having a club. And you see, some people, you just give a nod and a hello to, you don't know anything about them, but they're familiar faces and there's a comfort in that familiarity and then suddenly there's an empty seat and you find out oh well, they're not coming anymore because they passed away or they've got dementia and 
but then you see other people coming through and, and growing up as well. So that, that's the great thing about having a family club and it not being full of tourists from, you know, Kansas and Kinshasa who are there to take selfies with half and half scarves. It's those people in the ground, the same people week in, week out. And when QPR got to the playoff final at Wembley, you, you see the same faces that sit in D block. And a funny thing about my dad is that um, uh, we used to go to the W12 club. That's where we had our tickets. So we have a pint and a meal before the game. He got really friendly with Mick Jones from the Clash because they sat next really? to each other and they, they formed this unlikely friendship. So they had a, where we sat to have our meal, Mick would be at the next table. And he and my dad bonded over, um, not just over QPR, but Scandic Noir thrillers. So they'd be talking what? about what had been on. Yeah, Mick Jones is really into the killing and all these other kind of like Swedish series you get on BBC Four. And so he and my dad became great mates. And I've got a photo just on my wall, which is Mick Jones and my dad with their arms around each other, giving a thumbs up. And um, wow. when my dad was ill, Mick came up to me and said, how is your dad? Uh, being a big Clash fan, the fact that Mick Jones cared about my dad really made it for me. And I could go back and say to him, well, Mick's asking how you are. I said, oh, it's good to know my mate Mick is looking out for me. So my dad was probably the oldest punk rocker in town at the age of 83. He suddenly got into the clash at a very late stage of life. Um, and that, you know, it's just, that just comes from like, those little QPR bonds that, that make it special. And uh, what, what, I mean, I'm, it's, I know it's a tricky one, Mark, to always ask. What is, what, what is the best memory that you, you, you had while your father was with us? Because he'll always be with you at games, as you well know. You don't mean to tell you that. You'll always feel him around you. But when, when you were going together, what was what would you say was your best day together? Oh, it's, it's got to be Wembley, you know, the playoff really? final. Really? Okay. Because we, we'd, done, we'd done 1986 in the League Cup final and, and we happen. were there together. I think our fourth game we went to together was the QPR 5, Newcastle 5. Um but just to see the team finally win at Wembley, and he had cancer before that, so he'd had cancer three times in life, so he did it three times before then. So I think that was just the pinnacle, being with my mum, my dad, and my new wife at the time. Well, she still is my wife. She's just not new. Um, she's now my old wife. Um, uh, so, so that kind of made it special, just um, experiencing that day with him and just being able to turn and look and having that shared, shared moment together. Um, yeah, I, th I think for most, for a lot of QPR fans of, of my age, just seeing QPR win at Wembley was, was enough and to be able to do it with my dad um, makes it, made it even more special really. How did, how did your dad get into QPR, do you know? Uh, me. Um, oh, okay. my, dad wasn't into, my dad wasn't really into football at all. Um, really thrillers obviously. Yeah, um, he was more into cricket. Uh, but I watched the 82 Cup final and I got into QPR from that. And I watched it on TV. So I, you know, got him, you know, made him, not made him, asked him to take me to QPR, which he did. And he, he got the bug at the same time. Um, so he kind of came to football and QPR much later in life. It was not really something that was on in our household. Um, so, yeah, in fact... He was quite crafty. He, he realised that he could get his company to, to get an executive box. So he charged that back on company expenses. So he and I could always get a game there. Uh, and he used to kind of use it in inverted commas for corporate hospitality. But weirdly enough, me and my mum and some of his friends would often be in there. Um, and then, you know, started going to away games. And then we practically didn't miss a game for about 20 years. I think I think the thing about Mick Jones is is, is top. I mean that is uh, that that's pretty damn good, Mark. I mean that's some, I rudely I haven't asked your dad's name, mate. Sorry, so, so those who who might have known uh, your dad, Arthur, Arthur Perkins. That, that's an actor's name, isn't it? I mean, if if ever there was a name for the screen, it's <laughs> Arthur. But that's a great name, isn't it? Yeah, it wasn't fashionable until recently, but yeah, it sounds good there so? now. Yeah, I think it's a great day, mate. I mean, and it's pretty as well that you brought him into Rangers because, I mean, it's normally, isn't it, that we follow our mothers or our fathers or our sisters or brothers mm -hmm. and brothers. The fact that you saw QPR and then two and thought, oh, they look quite good, you poor soul. Well, fa family is a weird thing because my mother's side of the family are all from Kilburn. 
Uh, really? Going back a long, 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 long time. And so when I started going to QPR with my dad, I had all these elderly great aunts who were so delighted that, oh, he's a ranger, because they could remember going to QPR in the 1920s and telling me that their dad was going when he was a boy before the Great War and before that. And apparently the QPR lineage goes back to um, someone in my mum's family, a great great granddad or something, my great great granddad being on the committee that formed QPR, which I didn't know no as way. an eight year old watching the no. 82 Cup final. And so there's a lot of QPR in my, my family on my mum's side um, who come from a kind of Irish stock in Kilburn. Lincoln Aries, they get everywhere, don't they, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> They really do. Well, listen, I, I just I just hope it goes well for you, Sally. Julie Newman, by the way, is just a beautiful human being and I'm, I'm so pleased she was able to help you. I mean, any time... Yeah, and, and, and she and the club have been magnificent. Um, we got a letter from Andy Sinton, which I know Julie helped organise for my mum and I expressing condolences and they've invited us to a game and which we'll go to, you know, I'll take my mum, my wife to. I think it'd be weird for my mum going back after all these years without my dad. Uh, because she got wrapped up in it as well. And um, she used to sit in the back seat in these silent car journeys back down the A40, knowing not to say the wrong thing. There's, there's, sometimes there's nothing to say. It's kind of that, that nodding look when you get in the car. Yep, happened mm-hmm. again. Yep, happened again. And um, oh, it's going to be, yeah. I mean, for your mum as well, there's a whole family thing. But that, I love things like that, where you say, you know, the formed QPR, just, you just, Happened to throw that into the conversation just you know midway through. Oh, do you know what? I think my 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 great grandfather was part of the people who set QPR up. That is insane. That is a marvelous achievement. I have no no further detail apart from that though. But it's some yeah something something told by a great aunt who has now passed away. I I do wonder if they had the <clears> same aspirations <throat> we had of every every Saturday and that thinking. All oh, right, we'll we'll beat the big teams and we'll lose to the wee teams. I wonder if we did that then. I, I do wonder. <laughs> I, I wonder if we set this club up. No one. That naming it after St. Jude's, well, the foot following on from St. Jude's was never going to be a good thing. Never going to be a good. But listen, I think Mark, it I think, is deep ingrained. I'll tell you what, you, you paid a great respect there to your father, and um, yeah, I just hope the Rangers put on a good performance for him and Saturday, and, and no doubt through the seasons to come, and your daughter starts coming, and everyone else, and your mum, and everything else, he'll still be with you, big man. They always are. They never leave you. Trust me. Not for sure. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing that, Mark. I think it's it's a nice message as well because I think you know nothing on the knowing you know obviously knowing the same level, but it's nice like you know the, I think season before last was the first time that me, and my dad, and my little brother we all had a season ticket together for the first time we ever had, and you know we we all go together now after you know every home game like we've never done before. So it's cherishing those moments and it's a nice memory that you know you got to enjoy every game despite the result and despite how frustrated and annoying it can be, there's more to the story and there's more to the experience and the, the QPR sphere than just the result at, at the end of the game. So, no, I think it's a it's a, it's a really nice message to, to give us all. And I, I really do hope that um, Saturday is a, is a good experience and hopefully you can uh, have the result to match. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to it. It would be good to be back. Um, the old man will be there in spirit. Exactly that. Exactly that. So... Score predictions. What are your score predictions for Huddersfield and for Millwall? I'll go first then. I think we'll beat Huddersfield and lose to Millwall. So um, I think we'll kind of run the... So I'm going to go uh, 2-1 Huddersfield and I think we'll lose 1-0 to Millwall. You know what? We should have had Mark in the pod. Mark was one of the early pod people. I remember this very well. He was brilliant and it's come and gone, and, and I suppose you're getting married and having children, Mark, took away from the pod, but I'm, I'm glad you've come back to us, and we're going to get you on more often, because <laughs> exactly the same, exactly the same. I think we might get a drop, Millwall, but I'd love a win. Of course I would, and I'd love to beat Huddersfield, but mo- no one ranges, it'll probably be the other way around. Who knows? I'd, I've mm-hmm. given up. I'd, so, purely my head, or my heart rate in my head, I say we'll absolutely get right Saturday against Huddersfield, Thanks, we'll come good. We'll get three 0 win, and we'll beat Millwall two one. Wow! Again, Mark has managed to find this script that I somewhere have and read it before we started. But I think a a two 0 victory Huddersfield on Saturday, and I think we'll get beat one 0 to Millwall. I think we'll get three points Saturday, and sadly, I think it's going to be a bit of a long night in the den. But hopefully, we'll be proven wrong. 
Well, fingers crossed anyway. Do. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Anyway, should we round it off and should we go on to Samar's end? Um, we'll leave Finney to last because he likes to drag it out. But uh, Mark, we'll start with you. Have you got an R's end for us? Disgusting slur. Disgusting slur. <laughs> <laughs> an R's end. Yeah, so it's kind of like a, a last statement can be a... We might not have done this back in the day, Mark. It's yeah. like, no, this is it's any other business. It's it's kind of any other business. Well, it, it can even be about taxi drivers, bus lane, cyclists, anything. Yeah, Finney's is normally nothing to do with QPR, but the kind of the, yeah. the framework right. is it of it's supposed to be uh let's say a question, maybe something a bit different, an opinion, a, a thought, a statement about anything going on with QPR that it can be we may not have mentioned or something else that a bit contradictory. We like a we like a controversial if not uh ours end, but it doesn't have to be. That's right, getting banned for life, Charlie. Go on. <laughs> well, I've, I've been thinking and talking for an hour and I'm exhausted. Mm. Um, um is, is there an edit point for this? Because I can't think of one. Well, we, I'll no, we'll go back. to Finney. We'll go to Finney and we'll come back to you. Yeah, we'll come back. I'll, I'll, I'll break tradition. Right, I've got two. Um, one's quite a okay. sad one. There was a, there was a service at QPR last week for Guy Martin, who I knew many, many years ago. And we kind of lost contact with each other during the 2000s. And um, Guy's one of the first people I used to go to QPR with. And it was nice to see him. Well, John Reid, uh, Russell and... Um, John Quinlan sort of get together for him and um, do a nice service for him at Rangers. And um, he had his ashes put in the pitch. He was way too young to be leaving us. And um, yeah, one of the first people who got me into QPR. So thanks for bringing me into that family, uh, Gary, and um, look after yourself wherever you are. Um, the second one is my daughter. It's still be a great story. We went up to Nottingham yesterday and um, we're driving along the ways you do. Good up to university digs. And um, they were shocking, by the way. She wrote an 800-word letter about how bad the combination was. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so I drive up. She just drops his bum. She's like, I was out the other week. And um, this guy goes up to her and says, oh, if you said all these girls, buy anyone in the bar a, a, a drink if they can name the badge in this shirt sort of thing and name this badge. Went all around this people cut long story short. Came up to Lily. She goes, yes, Brentford. They go, oh, you're the girl of my dreams. That's really good. That's brilliant. That's marvellous. How, how do you know that? She goes, well, we're QPR fans. You're a scumbag. I hate you. QPR, but abuse. And um, a friend heard this, came over and had a bit of a commotion. And then it, she went, no, it's, it's just with one. And she went, oh, carry on then. But I, I, I've never been so proud of her in all my life. You know, it's, ah, it's a marvellous moment when your daughter could just give it to a Brentford fan, even though they're in the Premier League, and, and just let them know their place. So well done. Oh, Lily. Proud of you. <laughs> and, um, um, I'll go. Just don't feel university because it's cost a fortune. <laughs> carry on. Pop. <laughs> I'm done now. Yeah, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I've contradicted myself. I said something a bit, you know, said, oh, it's a bit of a um, unpopular opinion or anything. But for me, I, I've exhausted myself. I think I'm just a bit boring, a bit tame, but I'm just loving the, and it's going to be contradictive because we're going to end up losing them for injury. But how much of a difference does two out and out fullbacks and Ethan Laird and Kenneth Powell make I think especially in Bill's system I think already adding goals and assists I think they're just such an exciting focal point in the side and um, and it just adds a dimension that we didn't really have last year you, you know Domi did so well but it's not a position that he's played in throughout his career um, you know we had Wallace on the left last year who else did we have other than Wallace on the left last year I can't actually remember it's escaped me Wallace and your man who went to Turkey and Moses. Oh, um, oh no, we had other Badjo, and who was there? I don't know. It's escaped me. But two out and out fullbacks that can hold their own in the defensive phase, and and had so much, so much energy, so much creativity, and I think they've been a, a significant part in, let's say those those back to back wins. But hopefully, we can get back to to some victories, and and I think for any cause of victory, I think they'll be a big part, and you know, two fantastic additions from. From the from the club and, and Beal that he's you know he's he's done some good work to bring them in so no I'm I'm really enjoying those two editions. You got to be thinking though about the other one, but there's Kai Kai Moses. Who is it? The other left back. A left back last year was Lee Wallace, and Azubaji did play there a couple of times. I'm sure of it. Someone's going to be screaming at Twitter. These guys should not be mm, the podcast. Yeah, this is shocking. 
But dear Twitter no. people and dear listeners, we know this. There's no point telling us. We know. Have you thought, <laughs> well, Charlie's having a... Okay, he, listeners can't see it, but he's absolutely collapsed with embarrassment here. And lovely chair, by the way. Um, Mark, Thank you're you. ours end. Have you thought of one yet? That yeah, you remember, I, I, unlike Charlie. Charlie, yeah, have you finished, I, I, by the I, way, mate? Yeah, no, that was all from me. Yep. He's looking it up now. <laughs> the keyboard's going. <laughs> I, I'm just happy to see Chelsea and having a mini meltdown. Um, oh, so great, we had to say... They've, they've signed £300 million worth of players uh, and made themselves even worse than they were the last half of last season uh, and sacked their manager. They'll probably bounce back, but but for the moment, I'm just going to enjoy enjoy the fact that they've, they've sacked their manager, they've lost to Dynamo Zagreb and they've signed a, a £70 million left-back who is really, really average. Um, maybe we should have tried to sell them to Nico Hamalainen because their owner is doing all their transfers at the moment and seems yeah. to just be throwing money at anything seems think the more you spend on a player the better he will be and that's not always the case there was a, there was a Mark there was a great thing and I, I listened to Radio 5 a lot because I drive around in a van and for a while it was the only thing that would come to my radio station because my DAB was broke long story fixed now thank you Citroen and um, there was a fan phoned up I almost said scum fam that's rude he's got it his fingers waving we'll come back to Charlie and um, she phones me up and she's on about it. She goes, oh, Graham Potter. It's just, I mean, no. I mean, really. I mean, it's pricey. I mean, whoa, we want to win European trophies. And I'm thinking, you've won nothing for 50 fucking years, like, so behave yourself. And she's gone on. And then she sums up brilliantly by saying, well, I'd rather have John Terry. I thought, that's why you're absolutely ridiculous as a football club, ridiculous as everything. And I'd love it if they got him in and they got absolutely destroyed. But there you go. But yeah, it just shows you what they know. I think anyone with a brain would would, would think that um, Potter is a, a, a great manager coming through, apart from them absolute mm-hmm. imbeciles. Sorry, Charlie. Sam McCallum. Oh, I'm a bit embarrassed by that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Mark Shopping. said nothing. He's just looking into your abyss and thinking, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's it. He's and, just looking down yeah. on me. You know what? I always thought <laughs> Sam McCallum. It, it, it's always a, it's a great name for a private eye as well, isn't it? And that's why I don't do jokes. Carry mm. on, Charlie. <laughs> Wind this podcast up before I ruin it completely for everyone. I'm doing yeah. the best here. So um, I think that yeah. is all. We've covered Swansea transfers, Huddersfield and Millwall. Um, if anybody's still listening now and has has yet to see. Me, I'm going to share it on with Paul as well. Me and Paul embarrass ourselves of lack of QPR knowledge. Then, um, then fair play to you. But thank you to, to Mark for joining us. And um, it's been really good to, to have you on. And your perspectives have been very insightful. And thank you for sharing your your story with us. Really appreciate that. And it's something that will resonate, especially with me and I'm sure with Paul and hopefully everybody else that um, is tuned in. Um, yeah, so thanks for joining us. That wraps up this podcast. That's all. Thanks for listening. <laughs>